Good morning. As, uh, as we continue our series, uh, Walking Through Old Testament Wisdom and Poetry, uh, today we find ourselves uh, in Psalm 30. And so if you want to go ahead and turn there, um, we'll get into it. When, uh, before I started uh, preaching, which has not been like a regular thing at all, uh, very often, uh, I, but I, before that, I always wondered uh, if, if a church is not going through a book of the Bible, if it's um, a, a topic or something like this, it's still, we're, we're walking through Scripture, um, but it's not set like, all right, this week, Jesse, you're preaching this passage. Uh, how would uh, a pastor, an elder, a preacher uh, decide what he's going to preach? And I know that it's uh, praying uh, for God to reveal that, uh, but I, I didn't really understand it until recently, really. And, and because it's, it's not like this, uh, God, reveal what you want me to teach. Uh, like, there's a lot of Psalms, if you didn't know. Um, which one uh, do I need to teach this Sunday? Which one do our people need to hear? And every time, it, is, it has not been, all right, here it is, this is it, and this is exactly what they need to hear. It's, this is going to be so good for you. Uh, this, these couple weeks, this week, as you're walking through preparing this, and every week, uh, every time I get to preach, it is exactly uh, what I need uh, that week, which it's the Bible, so everything is exactly what we need every week. Um, but anyway, uh, this, this chapter in the Psalm uh, has been so beneficial to me, and so I hope it's that for you today. And so let's start reading in verse 1. It says, I will exalt you, Lord. Because you have lifted me up and have not allowed my enemies to triumph over me. Lord, my God, I cried to you for help. You healed me. Lord, you brought me up from Sheol. You spared me from among those going down into the pit. Sing to the Lord, you his faithful ones. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor a lifetime. Weeping may stay overnight, but there is joy in the morning. When I was secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you showed your favor, you made me stand like a strong mountain. But when you hid your face, I was terrified. Lord, I called to you. I sought favor from my Lord. What gain is there in my death? If I go down to the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your truth? Lord, listen and be gracious to me. Lord, be my helper. You turn my lament into dancing you remove my sackcloth and clothe me with gladness so that I can sing to you and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. Father, thank you so much that you have given us your word, everything in it. And it is not simply this, this code to live by or something that we have to live up to, God. It, is just, it displays your gospel throughout it. And, and through that, because of that, we get to praise you forever. Thank you so much for the work that you have done according to the scriptures, the work that you continue to do in us today, and the work that you will complete when we get to be with you forever. There's no more word. There's no more sin. Thank you, God, for that day, and I pray that we look to that in everything. Amen. All right. Um, so if you didn't know, uh, Psalms, they are poetry and songs. And uh, if you don't like music, I don't get it. I think Kendrick said something last week. Most people like music, and if you're not maybe uh, a super just music enthusiast where you love every single note, uh, you have a favorite band that you follow around all the time, I don't know what it looks like for you, but I enjoy music, and, and maybe you do too. Uh, and, but I, I'm not musically gifted. I'm not talented. I play that box, 
but it doesn't take a lot of talent, I promise you. Um, you can keep rhythm. And some of you might not be able to do that. Um, but I'm not just inclined to like hear notes like some of our, our guys who lead it are. Uh, I, I can't hear different things and how they should go together. But I really enjoy the vocals in every band or hip-hop uh, or just a singer. Like I enjoy the vocals, the sound of them first that kind of draws you in. Kind of like if you're, you know, trying to date you're attracted to somebody that draws you in. You don't like first like, man, what is she saying? You're first attracted, maybe not, I don't know. Um, but anyway, the sound of the vocals, I gotta be attracted to that. I, I, I need to be like, that's a good sound. And then I like listen to the words and then I fall in love uh, with the music because the words are so good. Um, and so like that, um, this psalm uh, is, is a lot like that. These, these words, every psalm that we can read is so good. But me, I specifically like whether it be songs or albums that walk through a story. I think we obviously are story-oriented people. We love stories. We love telling our story. We love listening to stories. Uh, me and Kendrick listened to a guy's story at the coffee house, at the coffee, new coffee shop the other day, and we didn't ask for it. It was just kind of like, hey, which, how did you get into this? Story, and I loved it so much. And so even in albums especially, I love when it just walks through a story, whatever it is. And, and really, in these like short, this short psalm, these few 12 verses, David walks through a part of his story. It's not everything, obviously, um, but it is something going on in him. And we, and we don't know what specific time this is from in David's life, um, but we can pick up on a lot of different things. Uh, and so as we read this psalm, we can kind of, I kind of see it in three sections. This first section, uh, David doing what we do often as a group, whether it be members meetings or MC gatherings, uh, looking back on how God has been gracious and, and praising him. David's praising him and urging others to do the same. And in the middle, David looks back even further before he sees God, God's grace uh, and, and before God brought him out of this really dark time and he sees how hopeless he is. He looks back even further uh, and then in the end, uh, knowing that he can't do anything apart from God, uh, David's asking for God's help and, and, and praising him again, knowing that God will always be there, be there just to do that, to always be his help, uh, always be there for him. And, and so David just quickly walks through this. And so I'd like to do that uh, with you uh, as we read, reread uh, the first five verses. It says, I will exalt you, Lord, because you have lifted me up and have not allowed my enemies to triumph over me. Lord, my God, I cried to you for help. You healed me. Lord, you brought me up from Sheol. You spared me from among those going down into the pit. Sing to the Lord, you his faithful ones, and praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor a lifetime. Weeping may stay overnight, but there is joy in the morning. David recalls how good God has been to him, saving David from his enemies, no telling what those enemies were. David had a lot of enemies. He had a lot of mess going on in his life. He heals him, or maybe saves him, uh, after David cried out for help. David compares this dark, painful season to Sheol, a grave, a pit. He says nothing about what he had to do to get out of it, but says, Lord, you brought me out of it. You spared me. You saved me from my enemies. You did it, Lord. And like David, we must do this often. We do this pretty well. We look back on how good God has been to us, how gracious he's been to us, but we must do this often, looking back on what God has done because it's not just what he's done, whether it's good gifts that God gives, 
Um, we get to look back and thank him for those. That those are really great times, and I, I and I really enjoy looking back on how good God has been, and then hearing from my brothers and sisters about what they've been praying for, how God has brought them out of a t- really tough time. Uh, but that's not it. There's something else to it. There's there's a there's a reason for it. It's not just a good practice to add to your MC gathering or your quiet time. There's something else, and and, and the reason for it is in verse four. David tells the reader, or he's singing it, or whatever it is. He says, "Sing to the Lord, praise His holy name." He's telling whoever it is reading this or hearing this to do this. Sing to the Lord because of all this stuff that He's done for me. His anger lasts only a moment, but His favor a lifetime. Weeping may stay overnight, but there's joy in the morning. He's, he's walking through what God has done for him. He's telling everyone uh, what that is, and he's urging us, sing to the Lord, praise him for all this stuff that he's done. And so I, you know, thinking that this was like a new thing that maybe we invented or like the, the, the church invented, this, you know, telling my story, telling uh, it to someone uh, in the hopes that they hear that I've this is, this is what I was, this is what I've been through, and here's the hero, here's what God has done for me, in the hopes that they say, man, I want that too. I want Jesus. I, I, I want to have this walk. Of, I've, I've endured so much suffering, and then I get Jesus. Um, whether it's like called your story or your testimony, it's not new. David was writing songs about it. Uh, and so we see this, 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 we do the same thing. David's telling a story, He's walking through what he's been through, what he's done, uh, and then what not he's done to get out of that, what God has done to bring him out of that, what God has done to save him. David sees this importance, and he sees it so powerful for those around him. He goes through everything uh, and says, this weeping may stay overnight, but there is joy in the morning. He knows that no matter how bad it gets, God still loves him. God will still provide everything he needs. But what makes that statement so much better for us is not just that God's going to provide for us and he's going to be there and it's going to be okay, but the thing that makes it way better than everything is that we get Jesus. David didn't know this was coming. We get Jesus. No matter how much weeping, pain, loss, heartbreak, sickness, death we experience here on earth, we get to look forward to an eternity of joy with Jesus who makes all this possible. This is why it's so much better for us. We can see ourselves in, 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 this, in the situation that David's in, but he, he, he couldn't see Jesus. We get to look back and now look forward until we get to be with him forever. And so we know the gospel, we understand it, uh, but in those times when life is really hard, we don't know how we're going to get through different things, we're, we're experiencing this lament that we talked about last week, we're experiencing so much pain and suffering, um, we tend to turn to thinking that we need to start doing things ourselves. We need to pull ourselves, you know, bootstrap thing. Uh, we need to do some work to get out of this because God's not helping. I need to do something else to get me out of this. And then this is what David walks us through in, in this middle section, this six through nine. It says, when I was secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you showed your favor, you made me stand like a strong mountain. When you hid your face, I was terrified. David is simply saying, when it's good, it is really good. Nothing is going to cause me to stumble. Nothing is causing him pain or suffering. He is made to stand like a strong mountain. It's so great, he's never going to lose this. This is never going to leave. He's never going to be shaken. But 
when God hides his face, or according to David, when God hides his face, David goes from the the strong mountain, overcoming everything, this mentality that he's got this, to being terrified, being reminded that God, that it is God that gives him strength and everything, that without him, he's like this scared little kid. He doesn't know what to do. David is so terrified of his circumstances, whatever they are, we don't know for sure, the next thing he's doing is trying to reason with God. He's building this like rational argument that I, I find really <laughs> entertaining. He says in 8, Lord, I called to you. I sought favor from my Lord. What gain is there in my death? If I go down into the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your truth? Whatever situation this is, David is obviously terrified of the possibility of death. We get that uh, just from him going down into the pit, which is very understandable. Even for us today, we know we get Jesus someday, but we're like, we're scared to die. If, if we think about it in the big picture of things, I get to be with Jesus. Man, I, I can't wait. But like right now, I don't want to die right now. I'm good. Uh, and so especially for David, he doesn't know what's coming out of his lineage. He doesn't know Christ is coming. He doesn't know that he gets that someday. And so death is very unknown. It's very cloudy. So he cries out to God. He doesn't want to die. He doesn't want to lose his life. He knows God is the only one who has the power to save him from his circumstances. And this, this attempt of reasoning in 9 is, is like, come on, God. Like, what good is there in me dying? Like, why, like, why, like, why would you let me die? What good is that? Um, who would praise you like I do? Who would proclaim your truth like I do? With the dust on my grave? No, obviously not, God. You must keep me alive. You must keep me safe so that I can continue to do these things. How relatable is this. It, it, it's especially relatable for me, especially when I was younger, in this, like, this rational argument, the thing that I need to bargain with God in, in, in a certain way. Um, it's so often that everything is going so well, we get caught up in this, this lie, uh, this, this thing we tell us, that we accomplished this, that we brought ourselves up, we picked ourselves up to this point where everything is good, that we've worked hard enough to get to a place in life that we can just enjoy it, we can have no worries, only have uh, to come, we, we have life come out of nowhere, and, and it, it sometimes hits really hard. You know, we don't expect it, we don't see it coming, um, and I'm not sure about you, uh, but I almost experience this on a weekly basis, and so uh, like this past week, uh, I had a lot going on, like physical things I had to do, uh, I had to take care of, sermon prep, uh, like we cooked and we led our MC gathering this week, Thursday, I had a lot of stuff at work going on. Uh, I come home and take care of my family. Well, I help my wife take care of my family, uh, play with them, whatever we need to do. Uh, and then also I had a lot of spiritual and emotional things internally just going on constantly. I'm dealing with all this stuff. Uh, and then I really, I saw it kind of come to light Friday. Um, we had our uh, Thanksgiving lunch already. Weird. I, I think, anyway, not important. Um, at, for preschool. And one of the dads was talking to me uh, and he was asking, how's it going? How are you doing? And I, I found myself saying, they did, uh, that this has been a really hard week. A lot of stuff going on, nothing terrible, but a lot of stuff going on. And I told him, like, I knew that I could make it to Friday, you know, make it to the weekend, I'd be okay. And I, like, looked, like, just looked at myself, like, is that really what I think? That if I can get to the weekend, everything's going to be okay. But I do that a lot, and, and maybe you do too. Uh, this idea that, that I did all this work, I, I work through all everything, whether it's good work or just work, work, whatever it is. I did all this. I deserve to not have to do anything any, like anymore. Like the weekend's mine, whatever, if it's just hanging out with family or just 
getting to do, like getting to prepare this more, uh, or just having nothing to do, is like watch football, uh, that I did this stuff, I get this, uh, this, this prize at the end. I, I did this, I deserve this, this freedom. Um, and, but the thing is, that this idea that, that I did this, and, and I had to work through this terrible week, whatever, um, that is not going to be the last difficult week. This, this weekend is not going to be the last time, like, this is the finish line. Uh, it, it is probably uh, not going to be the hardest week ever. Uh, it, it definitely wasn't a hard week. Like, let me tell you, it was not a hard, like, terrible week, and it's not going to be the hardest um, because a lot of other stuff, I have a lot of life to live, hopefully, maybe, I don't know. Um, there's a lot of other stuff that's going to come up, a lot of hard weeks, and a lot of times uh, that I, I think that I have to pull myself up, I have to do these things so that I can deserve rest. Um, and, like, I've heard that, you know, when your daughter becomes a teenager, that's even harder. And so, we're ours only two, and so I'm not there yet. Uh, but it's going to be really difficult, no matter what it is. Uh, but when it gets really bad, we try to figure out why this is happening to us. Maybe we start trying to make plans to be a better person, uh, because all this wouldn't have happened if we were a better Christian. Uh, or maybe we try to reason, maybe make some deal with God, um, through all this, uh, still, this is, this is all revolving around us. It's all revolving around what we need to do, believing that we still have to do something to be good enough. But that, that's it. We will never be able to do enough or be good enough. What we bring to the table in all this uh, is com- complete opposite of that. It is dirty rags. Uh, we are children of wrath apart from what God does for us. We're nothing. We can't do it. Uh, but we know who can, who already did the work. Uh, again, David doesn't fully know this plan God has. Um, he doesn't know what's coming, uh, will change everything. Uh, but David does know where his help comes from. And then he, he returns to that in verse 10. He says, Lord, listen and be gracious to me. Lord, be my helper. You turn my lament into dancing. You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with gladness so that I can sing to you and not be silent. Lord, my God, I will praise you forever. After looking back on how hopeless he was without God, when God, he, he said God turned his face from him, when, when he hid his face from him, uh, David was terrified. He remembers what God has done for him, and this, this out of, in the light of what he's been through, and then now looking at what God's done for him, this brings David joy. And this, this is what we're getting to this joy that David has now. And so I don't know about you, uh, but for me, a lot of times when I think on this topic of joy, specifically this Christian joy, uh, it is not because I'm experiencing joy. And and there are definitely seasons when I can point back and and remember what God has done in that season of life, and I can remember how joyful I was. And if I'm thinking about that, then that's the case. Um, But most of the time, uh, it is because... I'm taking time to look at this topic. I'm, I'm taking time to think about joy because I don't have that joy. And there's this case of instead of experiencing joy and celebrating that, praising God for that joy, I look around and I'm thinking, I'm not joyful. What's wrong with me right now? Like, I'm not joyful. Maybe that's not you. Maybe you're full of joy all the time. Uh, you can brag about it. Uh, maybe you don't think about it uh, at all. Uh, but I can usually split my life into these, these two times that I'm absolutely full of joy because of who God is and what he's done or 
It's this case of, I know who God is. I, I know what he's done for me. So why am I not experiencing joy? Why am I not experiencing that? Why am I not feeling that joy? It's those two things most of the time. Uh, most of the time, we're, we're not experiencing those extremes. Uh, we're not smiling 24-7, being loving and gracious to our families at home, our coworkers, bad drivers. Uh, we're not dancing. We're not praising and thanking God throughout the day for every single gift he's given us. But we're also not on the other end. We're not in the depths all the time. We're not feeling pain and suffering and betrayal, constantly lamenting to God, as we saw David doing last week. Uh, we have high seasons and we have low seasons, yeah. Uh, but most of the time, if we're honest, we're usually in this somewhere in between. That I, I, don't, I don't really know what's going on. Um, I really think about this. Uh, I'm thinking about King's Kaleidoscope's latest album, uh, Zeal. If you haven't heard it, it's really good. Uh, I'm still listening to it. It's great. Um, but it has a track uh, that is really helps me think about this feeling, this somewhere in between, this not high, not low. Um, and this track is the only one that isn't music at all, uh, but it is a voicemail. Uh, and the caller is, some of you know what the voicemail is, um, the caller is, is taking a guess as to why Chad, the lead singer and songwriter of King's Kaleidoscope, is making this album called Zeal. He's taking a guess. Uh, he's talking about zeal and not joy, uh, but I think for our purposes, the two can relate. Uh, he says in the voicemail, nobody picks a topic like zeal because they're actually experiencing zeal for the Lord. You picked a topic like that because you were eaten up with conviction and boredom and apathy and passion and all those things were swirling around in you like, man, I got to do something. And the word zeal pops in. That's my guess. People are laughing because I paraphrased a bit. Um, this is, there's a word zeal pops in after all this stuff is swirling around. And he goes on to describe further what he means by this. And this phrase that he labels flat on the inside. He's describing this feeling as flat on the inside. And really that's it. When I heard that, that's where I am a lot of times. Not all the time, but a lot of times it's just flat on the inside. It's not a spiritual high or low. It's just nothing. Flat. But the thing is, how can this be possible? How can we be flat, nothing, when we know the truth, when we know the gospel? How can we be flat? How can we feel nothing? We often compare joy to happiness when trying to describe it. Uh, I am a, a pretty happy guy most of the times. Uh, I really like uh, laughing. Uh, I, I love friendship or relationships. And, and you might know that if you know me well. I'm, most of the time, really happy. But I can pick out things in my life that, like, I really love, and I, that make me really, really happy. Uh, and so to name a few, food is a big one. Uh, I, I was talking to Chan about this yesterday. I cannot help but smile every time I have a burger from Shake Shack. Like every time, like we go and I bite into it and I'm, I immediately smile. It's, if you haven't had Shake Shack, you gotta have Shake Shack. I'm doing a lot of recommendations today. If you want more, come see me afterwards. Uh, like uh, we had a chicken sandwich right? we talked about Thursday from Austin that like after we ate, like I took a bite, I looked at it, I was like, what am I feeling right now? It's a chicken biscuit. It's not a sandwich. It's a biscuit. Why is it so good? Like I had to think of like, why is this making me so happy? Food makes me happy. Uh, I, I really like food. Um, sports make me happy. Uh, you and the football at the beginning of the season, uh, before they've disappointed me, uh, when I walk into Malone Stadium for the first game, and I'm like, this is going to be different. This year we're going to make it to a bowl game. Um, I'm really happy. Uh, even like playing and, and watching and talking basketball. It's one of my favorite things. I love 
uh, talking sports. It makes me really happy. Um, even thinking about like my kids maybe playing sports someday because like with two super athletic parents, they're going to do something good, right? Um, but all these th- the sports make me really happy, um, except baseball. I don't know baseball. Um, but family, uh, after Lucy, right, we'll spend a day with grandparents, a day or two with grandparents, like how happy she is uh, to see us again after a long weekend. That makes me happy. Uh, when she tells me she loves me or when she uses the Elmo potty for the first time last night, that was a big deal. I'm really happy about family. I, I really love my family. It makes me really, really happy. And all of that, food, sports, family, you plug in, what makes you the most happy? What, what in the life? What, what makes you happy? All that, the very good, all gifts from God, all of it is finite. And none of it will last. None of it will fully satisfy us. Happiness, no matter how good the feeling, will come to an end. It's going to come to an end. We need joy instead. John Piper really helps see this big picture with his definition of joy. He says, uh, Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. And that's the key difference right here, this difference in joy and happiness. Right there in the middle it says, joy is produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in everything. Because if I'm enjoying all the things that make me happy, it ends right there. No matter how happy it makes me, food, I finish the food, it ends. Football season's gonna end, and I'll be sad at the end of it. Um, But it's gonna end. If that's it, it's just gonna end. Um, it's not going to be enough to fully satisfy. It's not going to be enough to last forever. It doesn't matter how good the food is, I will be hungry again. It doesn't matter how good my job pays, um, I'll always need more money. Your favorite team will lose games and disappoint you, even if it's like the greatest team ever. I'm not going to say which one. Um, if you think yours is the greatest team ever, you're still not going to be satisfied. It doesn't matter how happy my daughter or my wife or my son is to see me, uh, and how much they tell me they love me, because I'm eventually going to screw up as a dad, as a husband, and they're going to be mad at me. Uh, or you get old and die, and I don't have a family anymore. None of this stuff matters if this stuff, though really, really good, let's not lose that. It's really good. This stuff is really good. If this is a means to an end, if this stuff that makes you happy is a means to an end, it means nothing. It's going to end. But... This is big. Through the work of the Holy Spirit living inside us, we can look at all this stuff through a new lens. It's no longer a means to an end. It's no longer simply seeking happiness from all of it. Everything in life, everything that makes me happy, everything that I enjoy begins to point to something much greater. Everything points to the beauty of Jesus Christ rather than being a means to an end just to make me happy. Everything points to Christ. And so when I work in my job to earn money to pay for things we need or we want, uh, I can look to what Christ has done and, and know that God has placed me there for something much bigger than a paycheck. Um, but what's bigger, I'm reminded through my work that I don't have to work to earn the reward that he has for me. And that, that knowledge brings me joy. When I have like the best brisket I've ever had somewhere in Texas someday, maybe, uh, I can thank God for creating cows. 
because that's great that we can cook cows. If you're not into that, I don't know, sorry. Um, and, and I can thank him for creating incredible flavors of different foods. Uh, and because of the work Christ has done, I can look forward to a great feast with the best food ever, with a big, big table, and I'll never go hungry again. And, and that knowledge brings me joy. And when I have fun with my family, I can praise God that he's blessed me with a beautiful, loving family despite my flaws. And then I look to Christ and what he's done, and I know that I am now a child of the king and that his love for me surpasses any love I could ever imagine for my kids. Uh, and, and this knowledge, this understanding that I am loved, that brings me joy. Our circumstances, our time in this world cannot and will not bring us joy by themselves. And, and, and I know this really well uh, because I can look out into this congregation and we're playing songs and I'm, I'm playing the box uh, and I can see people who have lost their spouse, people who have experienced abuse, people who, uh, sorry, who I know have experienced so much more pain than I have and they're singing with joy. Our circumstances point us to the one who gives joy. Our circumstances do not give us joy because they're going to let us down so much. It points to the better one. So we see that everything in life points us to Jesus and then throughout scripture it continues to point to the beauty of Jesus. David does this in verse 11. He says, you turn my lament into dancing. You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with gladness. God removes David's sackcloth of sorrow and lament and covers him with gladness. But God, for us, he takes all this sin covering us, this sin that justly sentences us to an eternity in hell. He washes it away with the blood of Christ and clothes us with Jesus forever. So that when he looks at us, he no longer sees that filthy, damning sin, but instead he sees Jesus. And that brings us joy. That truth brings us joy. It's so good. I hope that this is where you are today, full of joy because of the work Christ has done in you and what this means about you, that this work completely changes your identity, completely changes what you do now. You no longer have to seek things for happiness. You no longer have to seek these things that are going to come to an end you get Jesus forever. You are a child of the King, and I hope that you are there. You're experiencing that joy. And if you're not there, and like for the hundredth time, like I do often, uh, you know the gospel, but you're just flat on the inside. You don't feel anything. Uh, do not feel any form of shame for that. Leave your feeling that you have to work really hard to feel that joy that we're talking about today because Christ died for that shame and he already did that work. Look to his word. See Jesus in all of it. Dedicate yourself to prayer, pleading with God. Help you in everything you are, everything you're doing. Ask him for that joy. Ask him to reveal Christ to you again and again, turning from sin, looking back to the gospel. And then surround yourselves with brothers and sisters who love you and will point you back to Christ daily. No matter how much you mess up, uh, no matter how bad you are at texting back, they're going to point you to Christ daily. Surround yourself with those people. And then if you have never felt this joy that we're talking about, you have no idea 
how to feel this, you've never experienced this before, you're questioning now whether or not you've ever fully believed the gospel, whether you've ever thought about it or just kind of assumed that I'm saved. But now you're thinking that I've never felt that. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how to get that. Do not leave this place. Continue to wander, wondering about what am I supposed to do? How do I get that? Talk with someone here. Afterwards, go to lunch with someone. Uh, Let today be the day you turn from that sin that's always going to just leave you empty. Let that be the day. Let this be the day you turn from that and finally believe the gospel. Experience this joy that Christ brings. It is so good. Now, anyone here would love to tell you their story, how Christ brought them, how God brought them out of this really tough time, or even if it was an a, a okay time. And, but they realize they're sinful, they need Jesus, and that God gives us everything. That brings us joy. If you want that, if you don't have that, like we want you to experience that. Let's pray. Father, thank you again so much that we no longer have to seek after temporal things, whether good or bad in this world, that make us uh, really feel great, or we have to put our hopes in things like jobs or relationships or anything like that, God. Uh, That is no longer true about us, that we are no longer your enemy, we're no longer children of wrath, but because of the work Christ has done, that changes who we are forever, God. Thank you so much for that gift, that gracious and merciful gift that we could not do anything to gain, we can't do anything to keep it. You are the sustainer of all this, God. We thank you so much. God, I pray that Right now, as we continue every day to turn from sin and to look to you, God, that fills us with joy. God, I pray that for the crossing, for the church uh, in Monroe, for the church here uh, in the world, God, that we are a people who experience this joy. We love you. We know what you've done for us, and that just compels us in everything we are to proclaim that joy, proclaim that gospel to those who don't know you, God. Let us be a people that do that, God. We want to be that people. I pray that for us today. Thank you so much for the gospel, the work that it continues to do in all of us, and that we get to be with you forever. Amen.